This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights, our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to independent film. Inside, you'll find tools, tips, and tricks vetted by industry professionals, independent films that will inspire your creativity, filmmaking events where you can rub elbows with filmmakers just like you, and so much more. The best part of it all, it's absolutely free. All you have to do is go to www.banzai.film forward slash subscribe, and within a few clicks, you'll be part of our newsletter community. Again, that's www.banzai.film forward slash subscribe to get Indie Insights, a free bi-weekly newsletter from Chris and Nick at Bonsai Creative. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and with me, as usual, is my good friend and co-founder, Nicholas Bugs, and our esteemed guest today, CTO of, is it Film.io or Film.io, Chris J. Davis. Correct me, how do you say, I heard you say it differently yeah. in our preamble, What? how do we actually say this thing? Uh, first of all, esteemed is stretching the truth a bit. Um, but I appreciate the, the, the approach there. That was nice. makes me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the company is film.io, but mm. I'm, I still tend to say it that way because for years, that's how we were trying to get people to say it, but we have bowed to social pressure and <laughs> yeah. people do not want to say film.io. Filmio is completely fine. It rolls off the tongue, if you will. It's easier to say, and and that's what we want. We we want to become a household name, and the easiest way to do that is to be simple. Yeah, the, yeah. So there's something about ending a word in a Y or an O that's very easy on the tongue. So before we get too far into it, tell us a little bit about sort of what where you've been, like what we might know you for, where you've been on this journey before you started uh i think you co-founded this company film.io or filmio and uh where are you at in that company now and 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 Mm -hmm. why do we care about film.io sure um so as for where you might know me from i mean depending on the age of the person who is watching right now if you're an oldie like i am from the early days of things like wordpress uh i helped develop a lot of the features for it and uh, help write books around it. So um, uh, there was a a theme called K2, which was one of the most uh, popular themes for WordPress for a long time. And I helped develop that. I created the first like function system for themes that they eventually wrapped into core. And that's why you have, um, that's why you can add code really that executes to a theme is because of the work I did um, uh, with a friend on K2. So if you've used WordPress and you probably have, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, cool. and, uh, and that might be where you know me from. I've also worked with places like the ASF, the Apache software foundation, which they do the Apache web server, which powers a large portion of the internet and yeah. a couple of other, I got very big into open source because it's very communal and I believe that things should be shared uh, I should be able to make money and take a bathtub, fill it with money. That's my goal. Uh, nice. <laughs> but if I can do that while also helping other people learn and share, 
then like it's it's just a, a win across the board. So you could know me from any of those things. And then if you're really old uh, on Flickr, you even know what that is. Right. Um, I know, know Flickr. Yeah. There, there. For a while, there was this thing about being John Malkovich created all of these moments where people were like being this person. And so there was a being Chris J Davis. Cause I'm always mean looking in my photos, which is <laughs> not, that's uh, just my resting face. I have a resting right. face, which is the right. way it is. But like it, there was a, a whole thing where people were submitting those and that went around a little bit. So um, wow. like I said, if you're old, you know that I haven't done a lot in the last seven or eight years that you know about, because I've been head down working my butt off on Filmio and that, tends to be an all consuming when you're trying to change an industry <laughs> and, and by that, hopefully making the world a little better, it's an all consuming type of thing. And you're just 24 seven. That's what you think about. That's what you're breathing. That's what you're eating, everything. So yeah, I would just love I've to just dive been, into that, man. Like, can you, like, yeah, yeah. let's talk about that. Let's talk about a little bit more. Like you just said, change an industry. Yeah. What does that change look like to you? Right. What is the spark that then oh, gets yeah. you to do Filmio and other things? The fantastic question, and thank you for asking. Um, My pleasure. Because it's what I want to talk about more than anything. The, the The movie industry has had very little change, really, since its inception. There were there was a time when there were a lot of small studios, and everyone was kind of making stuff. There was experimentation. Weird things were being released, especially in the very beginning before we had talkies, you know, before mm-hmm. yep. sound was introduced. A lot of pe- things were going crazy. You know, you had Buster Keaton and those guys that were inventing what we take for granted today. And at some point, it became more rote and consolidated. And over the last 10 or 20 years, it's become even more consolidated to where five major studios, give or take, control everything. Disney's a prime example. They, they mm-hmm. own Fox, Marvel, you know, Lucasfilms. They, 70% of what you watch, they own in one way or another. And because of that centralization, it becomes very difficult to create content if you're not wanting to be in that system, if you're not well-suited for that system, or if you don't have connections to that system. And if you're on the outside, you're looking at, you know, 500-foot wall you have to get over, and there's just no way. And there there have been attempts to fix this problem, uh, things like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, where you can go and try mm-hmm. to get your film financed. Mm-hmm. But I really believe that bringing different groups together around content is what is going to make this work. And at Filmio, we've decided that if we can bring fans who want the content and today, I'm sure you're fans of content. I know I am. The only way I can be involved in a movie I love is to buy a ticket Mm -hmm. after it's done. I go and watch it and that's great. And I've had this moment of, of collective joy with all these people in this room that are watching it with me. But wouldn't it have been great to be part of that journey from the inception, from the idea, and to be able to give feedback and to, to help grow the audience, to be like, you know, let's uh, telling the two of you, I found a really cool project over here. You guys need to come and look at this because I know you would love it. And right. now you've found something that you go, yes, this matters to me. And then you tell more people and we grow this community around a project that is there for the whole life cycle from production, post-production release, and then the Holy Grail, of course, that person comes back and starts again. And they have a community that can go with them because they've already been on the journey once with this person and seen this amazing piece of art they've released, this gift they've given to the world. If they want to do it again, you're going to go with them. 
if you have a place. If you Two have a interesting place. things out of that, Chris. That and sorry to step on there because I, no, I but I, I don't want to lose it. For, first, and I'll, I'll actually go in reverse order. You know, first, it what you described kind of is how movies get made, but in a much smaller, smaller group, yeah. <laughs> right? Like as, as a film investor, you want to play long games, um, mm-hmm. with, with long-term, long-term games with long-term players basically is, is yeah. how it's termed. And if somebody goes and makes a movie and you love it, not even if it's profitable, profitable is, right. is, is a goal, right? Like I, yeah. I want a bathtub full of money too, <laughs> yeah, but that'd be nice. But if you love the movie, then you say, well, let's do this again and again and again. And now the thing is, well, how do you get more people into the boat to to make that happen? Mm-hmm. And then I think, too, earlier you mentioned having sort of uh, this Flickr moment. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, like Flickr was sort of an at the same time or pre-Instagram mm-hmm. app, web app, where you sort of uploaded photos from all across the world. Well, if that sounds like, what's the big deal? Here's the thing. What happened around that was an amazing community. And when you Mm -hmm. said, uh, when you mentioned Flickr, the first thing I thought was what happens to a community when Mm -hmm. you get your purpose or the center of that community taken away from you. And it felt like some of that Flickr community went to Tumblr Mm-hmm. Some of it went to Instagram, other places, but you basically disband a community. And I, I just wondered, did Flickr inspire part of your feeling on this, having experienced it firsthand yourself, that community? Yeah, yeah, that's a perfect analogy, especially because part of the reason Flickr had the problems it did is because the core ethos, the way they did their business, they ran their business, they changed. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they were sold a number of times. Yahoo owned them for a while. They changed hands and everyone wanted to try to find a way to monetize yeah, the, right. the golden word, monetize these, these users. <laughs> and it's really interesting that you bring that up because one of the reasons we are choosing blockchain and the DAO system is specifically to combat that. I don't own any of Filmio. Filmio is owned by a decentralized nonprofit foundation that is uh, outside the U.S. They own it. My company is contracted to write the code for it. They Got own it. it. The DAO that we're, that we're building right now is going to have complete decision-making power and authority over the platform the moment they have reached a level of maturity that it makes sense to give it to them. And at that point, all of us step back because we don't want to be the ones that make those decisions. And so essentially the community is going to be completely in charge of the future of this platform and uh, its longevity. And if they want to monetize, that will be a community question. Not some people in a boardroom that don't care about any of the community or the projects. They see numbers. They want to turn those numbers into dollars and they find the way to do that. And we are creating an entire system that combats that through transparency, fairness, and immutability, which are like the three key components of the blockchain and why we chose it uh, from a data standpoint. And we're just to be, since we're talking about it, (laughs) to be clear, we're not, we're not like a fully blockchain app because we want massive scale. 
because we believe this idea should have massive scale so that anyone in the world, global application, anyone in the world can join, anyone in the world can add projects. We have a ton of stuff from Spain, for instance, that's been a real hotbed of activity for us, which is fantastic. And we want to make sure that this is a massive global scale application like Facebook or X. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) it's hard to say. Um, and, And to do that, we needed to be able to ensure performance, scalability, and blockchain-based applications that run on top of the blockchain just don't have that scale. And so we have approached it in a way that I really believe technology should be used for what it's the best for. And the blockchain, in my opinion, is best used to promote transparency, fairness, equality, and immutability, and independently verifiable, like, rings of trust, right? And so we put any data that would be useful to decide if a project is successful. Uh, we All of that goes in the blockchain so that it's independently verifiable. No one owns that data. I can't fake it. I can't lie about it, which is one of the things you always deal with. You go to Netflix, you put a movie on there. You don't know your viewer numbers. They don't tell you that. Right, yeah. You will know everything. And more importantly, you can independently verify that it's true and I can't stop you from doing it. That's why we chose that technology. That's the big one. Cause Netflix just released their data for the first time based on yeah. the, the, the new WGA and said contracts. Oh yeah. They, but, they were forced to, <laughs> but you right, But you well, can't independently verify right. the data. And yeah. so what's the, you know, like, so, okay, well you, you, you put it out there and, yeah. and you basically are, are trusting them to be good stewards of the community, even if it costs them millions of dollars in, in residuals based on the data that, that they release. Yeah. I don't want to assume, by the way, Chris, mm-hmm. I don't want to assume that everybody listening to this knows some of these mm-hmm. terms. I sure. know these terms, Nick knows yeah. these terms, but let's start at the top. I, with DAO. You mentioned DAO. Oh, yeah. You spelled D-A-O for those who don't yep. know. It had a lot of sort of heat and notoriety around mm-hmm. it uh, back when a DAO was competing with billionaire hedge fund manager Ken Griffin mm-hmm. uh, to purchase, I think, an edition of the of the Constitution. Constitution. Oh, and that was my favorite thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and since then, you know, frankly, it, it's lost a lot of notoriety and a lot of heat around it as has the blockchain as well that sort of came with sort of the crash of crypto Mm -hmm. but i want to just have you an expert come in and and just Mm -hmm. describe what a DAO is to the people and then describe immutability and then the blockchain yeah fantastic and i just want to say at the top i am so glad that all of those things happened (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the heat being off and it being the, the like AI has become the, the, the yep. talk of the town. Right. And that makes me happy because there was so much hype around what all of these things were mm-hmm. that it outstripped what they could do. Yep. And it made things very uncomfortable and there were lots of problems and people were creating DAOs and getting tons of finances entrusted to them without understanding how to do anything with it. Because it was so new and it was all just, that's the new buzzword. And so just like, I want all these technologies to be like SQL databases. They're just common. Everyone uses them because they're good at what they do. (laughs) You know? And so the DAO, a DAO is an incredible idea. And they're very hard to run. But if you take your time 
we believe we can build one that makes sense. So a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. I like to think about it as thinking it's a spontaneously formed collective of people that want to make decisions about something. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to have dinner tonight and you're going to go out with 50 of your friends, they become a DAO in theory anyway, in practice too, because everyone's deciding what they're going to eat. Everyone has an opinion. You end up voting almost always. And the only people that can vote are the people who are going to dinner, right? You don't right. ask someone at the, the table next to you at the cafe where they think you should go to dinner because they're not going <laughs> with you. They have no say in this. You might go, what's a good Italian place? Cause you live here and I don't, but they don't vote. Only the people who have the right to vote are able to, and then it's democracy, right? Whoever the most votes for a place, that's where we go. Don't cry about it, you know, or you can just not go and eat with us. And that's basically what a DAO is at its very basic level. It's a group of people who are able to come together in our system. Anyone who has a fan token, which is our proprietary token that we use for governance. And that's, uh, and that's a fan capital F-A-N, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Anyone who has a fan token even just one is automatically a part of the DAO. You just are because holding that fan token means that you've done something. You've earned them through the system itself, which means you actually have participated and you care about what's going on. And we feel like if you've participated enough to amass fan tokens, then you should have a say in what happens in the place that you're, you're at. So all of those people are able to make decisions on our platform today the main decision-making process is around projects. So we view every project that's published on our platform as a DAO proposal. And you vote on the DAO proposal by staking your fan tokens to it. That is your vote that you want to get behind it. You, and it, it, it's a really, I love the idea of it because fan tokens are a thing that lets you do something. They're mm -hmm. governance power. And to take some of what you have and lock it up somewhere and you can't use it again. You still own it because it's staked. You have to unstake it to do it again. But the moment you put that one fan token on Chris's project, you can't do anything else with it. You've committed it. Mm -hmm. And that is a decision. Doing a thumbs up is not a decision. <laughs> that is a just whatever. Like they had good lighting. That's uh, But <laughs> if you're going to take that token, which you probably did a lot of work to get. Yeah and associated with his knowing you can't do anything else with it. That takes a thought process. You have to think about it. You have to really believe in that thing to sacrifice. Cause that's what that is. You can always go get it back, but then that project doesn't have your vote anymore. And so these are real decisions. And that makes this to me way more believable as a metric of what people believe in. Because there is a commitment and a sacrifice there that they're having to make at the moment of staking in, in the context of our application, which I think, you know, the, the whole reason we're doing all of this is to try to create an environment where an investor, which is the third group that we want to have in here, we want to have fans, creators, and investors together, can look and see what projects are being supported by people. So if you're an investor who have never invested in a film before, but have always wanted to, this is a place you can go. $25,000 would not get you in the door anywhere 
in the traditional market, right? Barely anything, maybe finishing funds if someone is really, really desperate. Mm -hmm. But on our platform, that could get a creator who's never made anything, a lookbook made and a sizzle reel made. And so you've become an investor in their future in a way that is more meaningful because you've talked to them. There's a real connection there because it's just two people talking, making connections on this platform and then going, I believe in what you're doing. And I might not have $5 million to fund your whole thing, but I know you need this. I can see it. Let's do that. Deals are made because there has to be some sort of remuneration for the investor. All of those things still happen. But I think it's a more humane, more personal way to approach financing content that we've had today. Yeah, so and Chris, let me, let me jump in on that yeah, real quick. Yeah. So when you talk about the token, right, you're saying you're giving a stake. It's something that you... It's very important. It's a sacrifice. You're sacrificing this yeah. thing against the project. You're making a commitment of sorts. Right. But what is the commitment that the fan is making based mm -hmm. on that project? Is the person committing to provide some sort of financing to help develop the project? Are they making a commitment to then purchase some version, some digital you know, version of that product? What's the commitment that then when the investors see those commitments... They're like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, there's 5,000 commitments right. that I yeah. can then say will turn into $20,000 worth of investment into the film, which now right. reduces my risk as an investor. Or do they see it as that's 5,000 commitments, which equates to $500,000 of purchases of that asset? Like, How does right. that token yeah. work as a commitment for the fan? Yeah, all, all of the above. And it's it's a fantastic question um, and, and one I don't get often, so thank you. We, we have stages to the life of a project. And right now, we're focusing on proof of adoption. It's a viability idea. Mm -hmm. And so today, your commitment is to supporting this project, putting your name behind it, and, and locking up the tokens you've worked hard to earn into it. That gives you... Things like preferential, uh, your 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 commitment there gets you right now. When they like, we're going to have NFTs because NFTs have cooled off, just like DAOs. <laughs> right. They're still useful. The craze is gone, thank God, but they still have use, and especially in media, like movies and virtual versions of props that you could buy and own the only NFT of that gets you a free stream of it. There's all kinds of really interesting things that we can do with NFTs that are actual value adding and not just a weird profile picture that is worth $50,000, like <laughs> real value to a person who loves a project. They get okay. to own something in one sense. So when a project launches their NFT campaign, you get preferential placement in that because you staked. And the longer you stake, the better your, your position is in that line. We also have FGR, which is fan governance rewards. So we're rewarding you for staking. You earn more tokens for staking that you can then turn and put into another project or when you collect it, put into the project you're already on. So we're trying to reward someone for committing that token to that yeah. project by giving them more of the tokens because that's what we want them to do and that's what adds value. There are things like if... When, when they're ready to get into the development phase and they need to write, raise a, a round of, of funding, uh, they could create 
campaigns to get different types of crypto like Ether or Bitcoin or USDC donated to them or sold in like a Kickstarter thing. We have an entire suite of tools that we are in the middle of building that are for development. That's finance development is the next phase of our life. We have built a an audience participation system that allows us to validate and de-risk investments, which is what you were saying before, which is really great from a data standpoint that if you have 50,000 people who have, we have multiple projects that have thousands of reviews that have five, 600,000 fan tokens staked to them and um, have tons of comments and, and all of this stuff going on that score that's computed from all of that is a really good way to see the viability of a project from an audience standpoint. A lot of people care about this and they've been active on it. The next phase is doing the financing and connecting the staking and the reviewing and all of that data to how financing works in our system because we want that to be a new way of financing that is more reliable. It is fairer to everyone, including the investor. Uh, And it's de-risked again because they've got this chain of data and a history that's the other thing too. Like you have this entire history of the life of this project from a log line to a fully realized script that the creator can say, you know, you want to give me money. I'm assigning the permissions to you to read my script because I have a script done, which I was able to do because my community supported me and they helped pay for it. There's all of these bits of data that, that we believe will make it easier to choose investments that have lower risk because there's a built-in community at the beginning as opposed to hoping to find one after it's released. And you've seen people actually help develop this project from this embryonic state to something that can be funded and developed all the way through production and post-production. We have a a film called Cyberfighter that went to Indiegogo because we weren't ready to help them with financing yet. They got all Mm -hmm. the financing they needed and they built their audience on Filmio and then took them to Indiegogo. They got financed, and now they are putting updates every day on production. It's a, they're doing a short film that they needed money for, and then they're going to take that to shop around. It's a pretty normal, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, process for that for a filmmaker. And but it's called it's Cyber this, What? Cyber Fighter. Cyber it's this fighter. crazy martial arts. That's like I, I keep thinking it's like Kung Fury. I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> yeah. with that. It's, <laughs> like it's that. It's this beautiful, funny, campy on purpose thing around martial arts, which I'm a huge fan of. And so all of that happened because of our platform. He was able to find his audience. Like he did the thing, right? The thing that I've been telling people is going to happen. He did the thing. He came on here and said, I have this great idea. I have all these people that want to work with me, but I need an audience. I need money. I need, I need possibility. And he found it, got the money. He's just, they just, uh, wrapped principal photography and are going to green screen. All their green screen shots are next week. And and in like three months, he's going to have a thing that mm-hmm. he can stream and release and send to film festivals and show producers and say, I did this. How much more do you think I can do if you just believed in me to do the next thing? So what is he, is he sharing on Indiegogo, that platform from Filmio that says, look what I did here. What is he sharing with them? Is he saying I've got... 60,000 fans. Uh, how does, how does that work? What's that language around? Here's the community that I developed and here's maybe how you can validate or verify that I have this community. How did he do that and share that in order to leverage what he did on Filmio on Indiegogo? Yeah, I think he actually went the other way 
and leveraged his community on Filmio mm -hmm. to point them to Indiegogo because he had already done so much work. And he was, he's one of the most active members of our community. He really got it right. And he's been posting like crazy and he built a large community over here and said, okay, now we're ready to fund. And he created his Indiegogo campaign. He, we have a, it's kind of like the wall on Facebook. Every project and every profile has a newsreel, as we call, trying to use as much terminology that yeah. makes sense within the context of the industry as we can. And uh, he was just posting on his newsreel for his project and his personal one constantly. People subscribe to them, and then you get updates to your unified wall kind of thing, just like Facebook. Mm -hmm. And so he put out there, we're live on Indiegogo. And within a week or so, he had everything funded because the community showed up. And he's now been engaging via Indiegogo with the emails and the updates that they do, as well as pushing all the uh, content that makes sense, continually updating in Filmio, which is really the right thing to do because he's already built an audience. Now he's able to keep them engaged, get them excited, also bring more people in and continue that process because he'll invariably be ready for another thing. He might run into issues that he needs more money because that always happens, you know, and he's, he's got an engaged community that's already so invested. They put down real money, getting these updates, getting excited, staying excited so that whatever comes next, they're ready for. And it's just been gratifying to me to see the thing that I've always wanted to happen, happen. And I didn't have to do anything. I just, put the thing out there <laughs> right. and he did all the work. So he said, so if you build it, they will come. <laughs> I, I, that's the part I love it. Even, even more than the money yeah. is the audience. The audience will, uh, is worth more than the money in, yeah, in, yeah. in, in our business. It, it just is. And yeah. I love this idea of, I mean, I've seen in both music and film, things get made and deals get done simply because you could prove you had X amount of people who were going to watch it. If it gets okay. released from you That's right. uh, or listen to it or this, how look, the, look how many people show up to our shows. We sell out regionally. Like yeah. I, you know, I, I think that's a thing and it's uh, incredibly, uh, you know, powerful, even, even more so, you know, then the funds, when, when you have that many people invested in a project, how much work does the blockchain and feel free to explain blockchain. If you want to get into that, does it do for you when it's time to pay those people? I guess they're up, up and comments or, or, or return yeah. on investment ROI from the, from the thing that's made, if it starts to make money. Uh, yeah. So we'll start off just by talking briefly about what the blockchain is and not getting too technical because it can be incredibly technical. Yes. Um, but I like to, again, everything is a, about being old tonight because all <laughs> of my, my analogies, they're all things that are so old, but they fit, right? right? If you've mm -hmm. ever had a checkbook. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> We've all had a checkbook. That's right. That's a little, that's a shocker, but yeah, yeah. there it is. Yeah. The blockchain is a checkbook. Mm -hmm. They even called it a ledger. It's a distributed ledger. Yep, and your checkbook yep. is your ledger. And the difference is that in the blockchain world, anyone who wants to download a copy of that checkbook can. Mm -hmm. And everyone has the same data for the checkbook. And this is incredibly important because the way we stop bad data going in there or hacks and things like that is that all of the, the checkbooks that everyone has, and it could be millions of people, 
they'll have to agree. Mm. Anything that doesn't agree is kicked out of the system. Okay. And because anyone can download that data and they call it running a node. So the three of us could go run a node somewhere and we could be running a node on Ethereum and we'd have an entire copy of of the Ethereum data running through our servers Mm -hmm. and it would be added back to the capacity of the network. Super important because that's what makes it uh, resistant to censorship Mm -hmm. and hacking and all of that, because you'd have to own 51% of the network in your grubby little hands (laughs) to be able to change data. And that is nearly impossible. There are some really big companies that run a lot of nodes for Ethereum because it's become the most cost-effective way. But even then, they can't own enough of the data to make changes and force them on everyone else. And that's super important. The transparency of it, and that's what we call about mutable. I can't go and just hack it because I'm smart and change a one to zero and change the outcome of something. It, yeah. it just doesn't happen. And what you're asking, Chris, about how does the blockchain play into rewarding people and um, if or, they, or how much work does it do for you as a, yeah. someone who, who understands databasing uh, at a high level? I mean, I, I could yeah. imagine if 100,000 people gave $20 that's just an example. I'm not saying that happened, but mm-hmm. uh, as an example, that's a ton of work. I mean, these camera accountants who have to pay out all the p- folks who invested in a, in a studio film have their hands full all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so h- how do you deal with so many people that might mm-hmm. want some type of Indiegogo style return? Right. Yeah. The, the blockchain does quite a bit there from a, data integrity. We still have to write the systems Mm -hmm. that allow for taking all that money and doing something with it. But the integrity of the data that what we're doing with it is based on is way better in this world. It's not just a SQL database in AWS somewhere. It's this globally distributed ledger that can be independently verified. So if you raise, if Nick, you raise $20 million for your film I can't make it look like you raised 10. I can't do it. You know, you can independently verify it. Your investors can independently verify it. Your community can independently verify it, which also means you can't make it look like you raised $10 million, which is important. You know, (laughs) and are you prepared? Is the platform prepared to do that now? Because it sounds like where you are in the current stage is more about getting the thing made through seeing the people staked. Right. You staked your token, yes. right? You're, it's basically right. Yeah. audience. That's the main thing. Yeah, it's validation. The, yeah. The, it, we call exactly. it validation. The yeah. validation of the idea. Okay. We are right now starting the work and have already designed all the features for the funding component. So yeah, yeah. we're, we're deep into that. We doing some last minute things for getting us to a really solid platform. We can build everything on. We have one last hurrah of work that we're in the <laughs> middle of doing right now yep. that, that gets us the the firm foundation we need to do everything else which includes distribution eventually well we that's what i was going to say deals. yep right <laughs> we need to have deals with partners for distribution and there's some really amazing things i told you before i get excited um <laughs> there are i don't know if you've heard about um open law there there's a uh, there's a service that allows you to programmatically create through api driven events contracts that are legally binding and they're overseen mm. by legal experts, they're real valid things. Being able to tie that into the blockchain 
so that when these immutable, transparent, fair things happen and the two of you decide to work on something together, we can tie all these decisions you're making. Think of them like you can make your own little sub DAO mm-hmm. that's just for your project. And you have 15 people in it because those are the people that are making decisions, but you need legal coverage because right. as you know, a film is a company. They, yeah. Most of them create LLCs. They build this company. That's this little village. And then it gets broken apart and torn down when the thing's done. Mm-hmm. We need to have the same ideas within our platform, but hopefully in a better, more fair way. So you come together, you make your little DAO stuff, you make a decision, and it fires off an API to create legal documents based on the decisions you made. Yeah, That gets put into the blockchain that it happened. You all sign it, which gets ensconced in, in, in the blockchain. And now everything is legal. Everything is transparent and fair. Everyone's value that they get out of this, you get five points in the back end, you get 10. All of those things are now where they can be independently verified and seen. And for some people, that will be scary. <laughs> and and we, we understand that. But I think that's the future. That there, There's this movement right now for people like New York State, where I live. Uh, I'm in Buffalo, New York. You have to disclose the salary ranges for your jobs now. They don't let you hide that anymore. Oh, wow. And that's where the future's going. And so that's what we're trying to get ahead of is finding these novel ways to use all this emerging technology. Uh, some of it we don't, you don't even know about because it's a little under the radar and creating new ways to do old things, mm. but do them in a way that is way more efficient. The cost of doing this stuff is going to go way down, which means profit margins will go up even on a smaller amount of money. Yeah. Right. It, it all kinds of equals out. And so we, we think our sweet spots, five to $10 million. That's we want to make big. That's our big budget. Right. Yeah. Cause we want to Im- promote indie cinema. I think that's where the most risk happens. The most experimentation happens. The most art happens. If you know, Spielberg wants to come to Filmio and put his next project on there and raise $500 million, <laughs> call me like, let's right. do it. Let's do but, it. Like- <laughs> but I think that's, you know, we, we won't get people like that at least right away. But if I can produce a hundred five million dollar moonlight level films mm-hmm. that have cultural significance, they resonate with people and they make them think, then yes, let's do that. <laughs> oh, right? yeah, let's do a lot. And of that. so create create tools using all these technologies, including AI, which is, you know, it's the hot topic, but it's also a bad topic, especially in this industry because of what just happened. And it was complete. I understand completely. AI is going to take away half the stuff that I do eventually writing code. Cause a lot of it's boilerplate. It'll be able to do all of it. But I think that AI is like any tool. It can be used in service of creativity and a human being, or it can be used to replace creativity and, you know, against a human being. And we are trying to be in the four, human beings can ethically trained AI, ethically trained AI that makes you a better creator, which is what Photoshop, like everyone uses Photoshop. When I was, I used the beta of Photoshop one, no photographer wanted to touch that. They called you a skiff and all this other stuff. Like you, you're not a real whatever. If you use that computer program Mm. and today Photoshop is the cornerstone of nearly every photographer's workflow or something like it, like Lightroom or something. Technology is part of every photographer's workflow. AI will be that once it's done correctly. 
And that's what we're trying to do is as an artist, how can we help you with AI? If you're a script writer and you don't know how to make a poster, why would we not let you use a tool (laughs) to make a poster (laughs) to get your idea across Uh, concept art? I, you can't pay a concept artist right now. You want to, and eventually you will, but you still need to get your idea across and it takes more than words. Yeah. So ethically trained AI to create concept art. So you're not stealing from anyone, but you can create the art you need to get people to understand what you want to say. Now here's, here's the thing, enough, Chris, let me, yeah, let me ask ahead, you this. Let me ask you this. So it sounds like a lot of great stuff, right? And we, and I oh, think yeah. for, from Chris and I standpoint, like the, the passion is there and we yeah. love it, right? Cause we're, we're passionate about this industry as well. And we're also passionate about the idea of creating communities and being engaged with communities, right? It's one of our core principles. So, you know, you talk about the platform and the fact that, you know, you, this one filmmaker has been able to create this Mm -hmm. great community. So how does that happen? How do creators, how do fans engage with Filmio and what do they do when they get there? Cause I can imagine, you know, a community does a lot of things. Like they talk to each other about different things. They engage, they ask questions, they do a lot of different things. So how does that work? How do you get folks to come onto the platform, engage each other? And what does that kind of that ecosystem look like? Right. So right now we're in what we call early access, which is invite only as we are. It's important to just know that that's where we are. We are barreling headlong into complete open access, but Mm -hmm. I'm a very, very much a proponent of getting a captive audience, if you will, that Mm -hmm. know they're getting in early to help test, refine, answer questions, make suggestions. We've had a ton of stuff from our early users that are now features because they said, this doesn't make sense or this should be here and it's over there. And we've, we've, that's a great idea and we've done it. And okay. so right now, the way to access this is to be invited by a creator. If they have a project on the platform, they have a special link they can use that allows you to create an account and you're automatically associated with them and their projects, so you can immediately start interacting. Uh, we have a wait list like any early startup so that you can sign up for it, and we're rolling that constantly, and every couple of days more people are brought in. And once you are into the ecosystem, we've built tools. There's a, an Explore page that shows you the newest content. The, the content has the most stakes on it. You can create prof- your profile to say, I like uh, rom-coms and horror movies, show me those, like those types of things, pretty okay. normal stuff. Yep. And as we get more scale, we're building more tools because we have more data. So machine learning is very much part of what we're doing so that we can have proactive things going out. Like uh, someone creates a project on our platform. Everyone is notified that the system thinks would want to know about that. So we're pushing. Yeah. Okay data as well as making it possible to pull, which is the, oh, I want to go click on the genre I like on the left and it everything reflows in real time to show you just that genre. Then you can go, I only want to see things that are in the development phase. So you get, you know, a Western that's in the development phase, which means they are raising money. And you can drill down with as much specificity as you want. So you can find exactly what you need, which is obviously important for investors because they want to be able to find horror is a really good genre to invest in because (laughs) the investments are low and the return is super high a lot of times. So they want to find that and they want to find, uh, uh, we have a a computated score called the go score, Mm, which is like, we like, uh, you'll, you'll get this. I like to say it's rotten tomatoes, but not evil. 
which is what they've become. <laughs> yeah, so we've had some top tracks that, on that too. Yep. Yeah. So the idea is that it's a computated score that takes in all the stuff. How many people have commented? How many people have staked? How much tokens have been staked? How many updates have been done? All of these things plus our own magic underneath the uh, machine learning magic, of right? Course. Yep. Uh, and that score gets computated and you can see by how high it is how likely we think it is to be successful if it goes on through the entire process. And that is all transparent. We don't hide anything other than the machine learning stuff because exploitation can happen because of that. And we don't want to give anyone the ability to game the system, right? Even ourselves. And so all of that stuff is kept under the, the, the machine learning stuff is kept under wraps, but all the data metrics that are used are completely transparent, completely open, and they're all ensconced on the blockchain. So you can verify if this has a score of 95, you click on it, it shows you the breakdown of all of the metrics, and you can go verify those metrics if you want. So we're trying to, to walk the walk and talk the talk as much as we can on all of those things. So that that's kind of the way it works now. Once we're publicly open, you just come, create an account, you're in, and uh, we create a, a wallet for you because we we know a lot of people aren't going to be blockchain savvy that mm-hmm. are going to be coming to this right away. Mm-hmm. And we also want to introduce people to this world in a way that is comfortable and everyone is used to username and password or they're used to social sign in with google or something like that so we have an on-ramp basically that allows you to create an account we create a blockchain wallet in the background for you and you just come in you agree to a couple of things you agree to be part of the dao which has a constitution you have to agree to Mm -hmm. as most of them do and then you're in and we give you a deposit of fan tokens as a thank you so you can immediately start working and uh, doing things in there. And all of that stuff is transparent and it just is easy to do. We're currently a gasless solution as well. Wow. Which How did you pull that off? Yeah, um, a lot of money. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, we are on Polygon, which is okay. a much cheaper with higher throughput uh, L2, which is, again, too technical, but <laughs> Ethereum is the chain. And then there's another like chain that lives above it that you can do all kinds of stuff to really cheaply. And then they take all of those transactions and package them up and send them to Ethereum in one shot, which okay. is a lot more efficient and a lot cheaper. And you, they just get paid via different mechanisms. That's how they operate. Do your fan tokens get traded at all? Or Yeah, not currently. <laughs> okay. And, can't say much more than that because of legalities <laughs> and right, yeah. U.S. security restrictions. And just to keep the audience with us, a yeah. gas fee, a, a gas is the fee you pay right. to make a transaction with a yes. token. Yeah. And not all tokens are created equally because of the cost <laughs> it takes to, to make a token. So it's like right. the exchange. We call that gas. I shouldn't say mm-hmm. we. Uh, Chris we, calls we that, call it horrible. The, the call world it calls it, but 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 that is part of the obstacle. Like like you mentioned, yeah. it's kind of like if you get into this, you do have to start learning a whole new set of, of of vocabulary words and what they mean. And you know, we've said a few of these words today: blockchain, right. immutable, stake, gas, you name it. And these are these things can intimidate a user. But yeah. at the same time, I look back at the thing you said a few minutes ago, which is I think probably encompasses all of this, which is old ideas made new. Yeah. There's nothing new about what you said about bringing investors in. Right. There was a company called Slated that tried to do that. Yeah. The difference is Slated wasn't transparent and yours is going to yeah. be. That's a new way <laughs> to do yeah. that. 
know, uh, in terms of just community feedback and, and knowing how to do this, usually was a, a small group of people that would do this and would be involved. And this one's larger group and, 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 and more transparent. Yeah. I, I thought about just hearing you talk. Did, and I wanted to know your opinion. Did you do you feel like what happened with Wall Street bets was actually a sort of an mm-hmm. undeclared Dow? Because they they had three million people basically cost God, what's the name of the the fund? Uh, billions of dollars mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. decided to hold and not sell. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it as was, a group, yes. as a collective. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 functioned as a Dow. They didn't have a, an official structure, which I think you, you're seeing. What I was saying at the beginning of this whole conversation that DAOs are hard to do right, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that right. is that is a really good. Well, depending on which side of the argument you're on, that was a really good example of when they're done wrong mm-hmm. or when they're done right. Depending on you know they they had a reason to do what they did. Mm-hmm. Whether we agree with it or not, that's a different concept. But they came together as a community and they made a decision, which they thought was best for them and the thing that they are invested in. And that's functionally a DAO. There were no constitution involved. Like, that's why we have a constitution. I was going to say, I think that's why DAOs are a little bit better than what they did, because what happened was Lord of the Flies. Oh, oh, they they oh, yeah, they, they basically yeah there were three million people doing it or something like that that are, that were on this re- subreddit but you essentially had a handful of leaders yeah, yeah that they were, were basically calling yeah. all the shots yeah. and if they said don't sell and they said hold yeah. or hodl hodl yeah. <laughs> yeah then you did it and you just followed That's, yeah it was like you decided the the majority of those people didn't know what was going on they just had some of those tokens because. Mm-hmm. Someone said it was a good idea to own them. Yeah. And and they were looking to the leaders because they thought they knew what was going on, just like you do in any community, right? There are people yeah. you feel like either they create the illusion themselves mm-hmm. of competence and authority yeah. or yeah. the community yeah. has given it to them. And so that's what happened there. And you're absolutely right. DAOs are better when designed correctly mm-hmm. because of constitutions, limits on what they can do. You have to create a proposal. Somebody has to create a proposal. There's a voting window. It has to be passed. There's a cooling off period to make sure that everyone still agrees on it. Like you need process. You need structure. Everyone, the decision is still in the hands of the community. But if you don't give them guardrails and structure, it's anarchy. What you were saying, it's Lord of the Flies. They just people people just get swayed by uh, someone's rhetoric, and then bad things happen, and things crash and catch on fire. And we, that's why we don't have this massive DAO right now. We could have just thrown up Snapshot, and which is a service that does DAO stuff, and just done it. But we're going to build our own uh, because we want it to function a specific way. Like I was saying before, we want it to integrate with third parties to, to be able to make decisions and then have legal structure around them if necessary and all of that stuff. We want to do it right because yeah. we care about the thing we're building and we think that it has legs and that when we give it to the community, if they are trained correctly in the sense of they know what the blockchain is, they've been informed, user experience is very important to me and it's important to the company. I want people to come in here and feel comfortable, feel at home and learn. I love teaching. Yeah. I want them to learn because there are beautiful things in the blockchain world. There are people there and ethoses that make sense. 
Man, and, you, you know, wait, 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 wait. And so I know, Chris, your next thing has got to be a short animated film called The Blockchain World. And <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? I can, like I'm already envisioning all the yeah. people who live there and the ethos and the constitution of this and, and kind of gives yeah. people a real understanding of like, oh, yeah, there's a world here. And if you understand and you, you learn mm. this world, I mean, if you take yeah. it like, you know, if you, if you watch in the Avatar movies, right? It's like, hey, look, oh, yeah. that might be foreign to you. It might look odd. Right. But listen, if you learn the rules of engagement, mm. yeah. this could be a beautiful experience for you. And I think that's, that's what I hear you yeah. say. And enriching, like culturally enriching. There's stuff we can do. We can fix problems that exist today. Like I want to, Africa is having, uh, has had over the last 10 years, a boom in filmmaking. There's some really amazing things going on there, but they don't have the resources. Check out Tubi. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they don't Total have the African resources that India has right now or mm. America or even right. South America. And I care about cinema coming out of Africa. My favorite show, my family and I, our favorite show is Team Four on Netflix right now. Mm. It is it is Super Team Four. It is the most interesting, completely African led. All the characters are these superheroes from a small town, and it's. I want my kids to know this culture. I want them to understand that they're not the they're not the only thing there is. I want them to be better people than I am, and I want more of that. <laughs> and, and as much as I love Marvel movies, less of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I do love it. I do well, love yeah. it. it ends up that the audience there sort of is the, is the forcing function mm-hmm. behind, you know, the Marvel yeah. movies, right? Because yep. we, we have the demographics that say <laughs> we think, you know, basically they know 19 to 24 year old boys are the one demographic mm-hmm. and men mm-hmm. is the one demographic that they can get out of their house and yeah. into the theater and the theater needs that foot traffic. It's a real estate business. Yeah. It's a density business. Yeah. And 19 and 24 year old men happen to believe they're invincible. That's yeah, this one do. feature <laughs> that 19 to 24 year old women don't have. So they right. will not go eat a giant tub of uh, buttered popcorn and have a Coke and have uh, yeah, a box yeah. of peanut M&Ms. Uh, a man will do that at that age and, and think nothing happened to their body internally, like that we're all good. <laughs> and, and so because of that, you end up with mm-hmm. more and more and more movies that appeal to just that one demographic. And we can debate about this or not, but I am curious. You've got a massive community built up on places like X, mm-hmm. Reddit, and even podcasts. Yeah. But you have a general public sentiment that is so, so, so averse to what we've been talking about on this podcast. Do you need to convince them or do you have a big enough audience already? Because you have SBF, you have the dude that ran Binance, I'm forgetting his name right now, CZ. You had CZ. You had all these uh, NFT grifters. I own NFTs. Mm -hmm. When I tell people about them, they laugh at me. That's just, I'm being honest. They just laugh at me. I say, well, there's nothing wrong with NFTs. It's just that, because it's an open place, mm-hmm. the blockchain's an open place and, and an anonymous place, it brings in grifters if there's millions mm-hmm. of dollars changing hands yeah. potentially. Oh, yeah. I, there was nothing wrong with my transaction. Uh, and there right. was nothing wrong with what I wanted and what I got from it. I got good value, in my opinion, from the NFTs I've, I own. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder, has there been too much um, corruption? Has there been too much grift to, to earn public trust in the short term? Even though we see Bitcoin and Ethereum and Solana kind of yeah. going up in price right now. 
So that is such a fantastic question. I hate you for asking it. Um, <laughs> but I will answer it with what I, I honestly feel. Um, but I wanted to say one thing first. Okay. Because we just talked about Marvel and the, AT, the, the demographic and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And I, I agree with you completely with, with one caveat. I, I think more highly of the, the, the people out there than a lot of people do. I'm not saying that you don't. I'm just saying yeah, yeah. there's this feeling that they, if you confront them with something, they're going to fold or they're just going to go see the thing that mm-hmm. makes them feel comfortable. And I don't believe that if it is done correctly. I think a large part of it is you're absolutely right. Bean counters rule a lot of what is made in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But then, but then if it's always a Marvel or DC sequel that gets made, then you don't have any option but to watch that Marvel or DC sequel. Yeah. But like we've seen with the Godzilla movie, not the one from America, the one from Toho in in Japan, that's not a mainstream thing here. Right. It's a, a dude in a rubber suit. Like it's just not <laughs> that, that, that's not what we we expect Kong versus Godzilla in America. Yeah. Spectacle, crazy thing. That is doing massive money here because it is an amazing film <laughs> that was made on a smaller budget than most middling movies in this country. But it was marketed correctly, and it's just a good film. One person talks to another person and says, I know you're not going to believe me, but go watch. I did that same thing. Barbie blew my expectations out of the water when I watched that movie. It was not what I thought it would be. I'm telling everyone now, go watch that freaking movie. Give it a chance because (laughs) they say things in it. But I I honestly believe if we fill the multiplexes with Marvel movies – and movies that matter that say something, they'll all win. Yep. But okay. the studios aren't making those other movies anymore. Right. In 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 any real quantity. And that's where we step in. And I mean we, not yes. just Filmio. Yeah. People who care about cinema. We step in and say, we're not gonna take this anymore because we know people are smarter than that. Yeah. We used to have things like Casablanca, the Maltese Falcon. Mm-hmm. Even the Indiana Jones movies, not right. like the recent yeah. one. Yeah. The that recent was, one was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we know which one was, those, problem, was tr- troublesome for yeah. me. Those <laughs> and movies I love that series. Exactly. And they were smart when they started. Yeah. And and we, I, I think we get to the point where we think that people aren't still ready and wanting smart cinema. And I think they are. We just need to remind them of it and give them the option. It will still have Marvel movies and tent poles and. Well, here's so here's one thing to your point, Chris. I'll say this before yeah. I say the next thing. It just hit, it just hit me. They put it out. It's kind of like we have to watch it. You you said, yeah. And it's like Aquaman is a great example of a movie that isn't good. You could tell mm-hmm. it wasn't going to be good just by the trailer. Yeah. It has made almost a hundred million dollars. It, it's not going to do what they wanted it to do, but it's right. going to make a ton. Mm-hmm of money, just a ton of money. And there are movies that even the, like Nick's like a superhero kind of nerd. Um, I'm not. And, uh, and you can just look, yeah, you can right. just look at his background. Like you can look that. at his background and, and see that. And yeah. I, like, it, and I mean that in the most endearing, you know, way where he watches the movie and he knows the storyline. So he's frustrated mm-hmm. that this, this, this didn't happen. I'm like, Oh, I didn't know. Yep. I had somebody break down why the flash was bad to me. Oh, and man. I was like, I didn't know any of that stuff. So, I just, yeah. I just watched the flash and it just felt like, uh, you know, it, it felt yeah. like a movie to me and it, and it just yeah. a movie that didn't mean much to me when I left, but I didn't think 
I didn't think of it from a story perspective, right? Sure. But no, it still cool. made a, a ton of money. So, and so I think you're spot on with that. And and so as long as they make money because that's all the studios are going to make, yeah. maybe they don't have the incentive to change. But what I was going to say is if I can make movies that just feel like Sing Street and about time for the oh, rest yeah. of my life, I'm good. Let's bring those two back, those those kind of movies back. I would like to make a Sharknado every once in a while too. <laughs> oh, we, we got pitched by that guy. Thunder Levin? Thunder Levin came to us. He wanted yeah. to make a movie about um what was it, Pirates that time travel, Nick? Or what like no, what was his movie it was, pitch? It was it was a musical. It was Pirates. It, 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 it was, was a, a pirate musical, right? <laughs> but but oh here's the, but here's the thing. You're right. Chris, like we want to watch that stuff too. Like we yeah. need the Sharknado. We need the snakes yeah. on a plane. Like we need <laughs> something that's just going to shake stuff up and be crazy yeah. and wild. And cause we need all of it. And I think that's what you're saying exactly. about yeah. democratizing filmmaking is that we don't want it to be any one thing. We don't want it to right. be any three or five Amen, things. Nick. There are yeah. hundreds of thousands of ideas, innovation, culture, all these things that need to be brought to screen. Now, before we get deeper into that conversation, Chris and Chris, we got to bring Papa Bear in because now oh, yeah. I'm really interested to know, like, <laughs> based off of the blockchain and NFTs and all these things, like, what is he going to stump us with uh, that I think Chris J. Davis is going to know? Uh, so, Papa Bear, what you got? Uh, no, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm not going to yeah, <laughs> let's, let's bring in Papa oh. Bear for things we should know. I hope that you, you know blockchain is technology and not something you see in Brooklyn or Queens. Uh, so, so <laughs> give it, give it to us. Lay it, lay, lay it on us, producer Paula Bear. Okay, guys. And, you know, I think the two of you may not know this, but Chris J. Davis may well know this. Okay, here we go. What is the first film in history to release via blockchain technology available to stream using cryptocurrency and who wrote, directed, and produced it? Oh, jeez, man. <laughs> wait, so, so, <laughs> the first, so wait, how many questions did you ask there? He has 35 Yeah, there's questions. like 15. <laughs> exactly. oh, well, Count up how okay. many questions you asked. <laughs> Actually, well, let's just do one. What okay, is the what first was the film movie? in history to release via blockchain technology? Available hey, to stream using cryptocurrency. Do you remember, Nick, that we were going to put adult interference on the blockchain? Yeah, we talked That's about that. That's one of our movies, Chris. Uh, we were gonna we were gonna put it on the and we got approval from Kate Upton to do it, who's in the movie, which was mm-hmm. our main concern. And then we just didn't do it. It was weird. We just like didn't do it. Well, um, or we could have been the first movie on the blockchain, Chris and Nick, to to <clears throat> you know. What year did uh, Adult Interference come out? Two thousand and seventeen. Well, you would have been the first because yeah. this one came out in twenty eighteen. Mm. Ooh, I don't think we had the idea to put it on there till 19. <laughs> <laughs> so, so questions, because terminology matters. Mm. When we're saying on the blockchain, what are we meaning? Was it funded by it? Released seems well, like how, like, like, was say, was it streaming on top right. of the blockchain? Using IPFS or? Ooh, yeah, you, you paid for it with cryptocurrency. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like the contracts were on the blockchain. Yeah, to the gain film access, access to, watch right. to watch it. Yeah. It was this, in the, select U.S. theaters on July sixth of twenty eighteen, as well as on the decentralized application VView, the Bitcoin yeah. themed movie. I have a guess for writer and director, Papa Bear. Oh, okay. 
My guest is Sam Esmail, creative Mr. Robot. Mm -hmm. Was he the writer and director of this unnamed film? You can tell by the, hmm. No. <laughs> right. <Is> it, no. <laughs> who, who else is into this, Chris? Well, Oliver Stone? Yeah, you know what's crazy? Uh, I was sitting here thinking, like, the I'll just let you know, like, the first thing that came into my head, and I don't even know if the timing of this works out, because I can't remember when the movie came out. Yeah, he gave us a the, hint. He said 2018. Yeah, but the latest version of uh, Blade Runner was, like, the first mm. thing that hit me. I was like, that seems like it would have made sense. Now, the second one I've got, because I don't think it's Blade Runner, would have been Ready Player One. But I just don't know. I can't remember when those came out. Yeah, I'm trying to... I think Ready Player One was pre-pandemic, which is now how we figure everything out, right? <laughs> yeah. yes. Was it before or after my life sucked? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Movie, Chris. <laughs> right, mm. so I think... I, I want to say Ready Player One. I just want to drop that as my... Okay, that's your guess. Chris, that's do you have guess. a guess? Um, 2018. There's so many because I, I keep thinking of films that are about blockchain. That's what's happening right now. Yes. Like crypto. Crypto is a movie that's about blockchain, which was a couple of years ago. And then there are a number of movies that have been financed via blockchain stuff. But I can't think of the first one that was released and you use blockchain to buy tickets or to access. I can't think of it. Papa Bear, one more clue, if you will, please. Is this movie a first-run movie in eighteen? Meaning, it, its premiere was on the mm -hmm. was was twenty eighteen, or was it a movie that was already released ex in existence and yeah. then re-released on the blockchain, similar to what me and Nick were going to do quite geniusly in twenty nineteen, but didn't execute, so it doesn't <laughs> count. <laughs> no, I, I I believe it's first run. But you don't have a, you're saying you have no guess. You don't need the clue because you really don't know. No, here's why I need the clue. Because <laughs> if it wasn't a first run, I was going to guess, thank you for not smoking. Or thank oh, you for smoking. Thank you for smoking. Which so was produced by David Sachs, who is a famous owner of Solana mm -hmm. and holder mm -hmm. of Solana, which is a cryptocurrency right. uh, PB. That is like, uh, you know, it's an application style sort of crypto. Yeah. And that was going to be my guess if it weren't a first run movie. I appreciate the disrespect, though. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now I want to know. I'm ready. I'm okay, ready. Let it, let lay, it, lay it on. Let know. Yep. Okay. The name of the film is No Postage Necessary. Oh, oh that's really? so close to Thank You for Smoking yeah. in a way, right? Like it's that a weird kind of title. Minutes. It no postage necessary. necessary. A comedy, okay. drama, romance, written, directed, and produced by Jeremy Culver. Did this have um, uh, a blonde-haired actress in it? Uh, I didn't watch the film, <laughs> right? But, yeah, <laughs> I believe it did. I saw some photos. I saw the images. It had. Um, what's the girl who's married to to Dax Shepard? Oh, uh, she's blonde. Uh, she was Veronica she's, Mars. She's very. Right? She's very funny. Uh, she was in Veronica Mars. Um, oh, why do I remember she, the character name and not the actress? I'm going to look up this movie right now, producer Papa Bear, and see. Yeah. Anna Ferris is her name. Anna Ferris. It just came oh. to me. Was Anna Ferris in this movie? Uh, I don't know. Me, so I'm looking. I'm looking up, right up right now, man. We got it's Charlene uh, Clossy. Oh no, yeah. I see. No, it's, here, it's not her. Here's yeah. you know, Chris, you're sitting there and in Nashville 
Yes, but, I am. Beautiful Nashville, yeah. Tennessee. Jeremy Culver wrote it with his sister, mm-hmm. Morgan Culver, who lives in Nashville. Okay. Well, I'll have to look right. up Morgan Culver. Shout out to Morgan Culver. Shout out to uh, <laughs> Jeremy, by the way, who made this. And look, Michael, uh, Jeremy Culver. And Michael Beach is in this movie. Yeah, but I say big shout out to Michael Beach, man. Shout Just out like, to Michael Beach, man. The person you were asking about does not seem to be in the film. We already said that, producer Papa Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Anna Ferris not in it. It's the redheaded girl. It's uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Charlene, Ch- what's her name? Nick? Glossy, I think Glossy. it is. Glossy. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, yeah. Uh, that's Culver's wife. Oh, wow. It's a family affair. It is. Okay, so I'm, I have the movie up, and I just want, just for the fun of it, I'm, it's not, I'm not talking shit or anything like that. I just I just want to see what it did. I just want to see no oh. box office available. Great. Of course not, bro. Uh, let's see here. Details, details. Well, look, we can get you Chris can get to check the, the blockchain, blockchain for this. That's right. Get because because it is transparent, uh-huh. so yeah. we can we can see. So they made this movie in, in 2016, it says. August 2016. Released it in late 17. So, and then put it on the blockchain in, 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 yeah, 18, cause it hit theaters article. as well. well so, IMDB yeah. pros has released July 6, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I'm reading for too. IMDB pro, but on the pro side, you get like these deep run details. So, um, or, or I should say a depth of details that speak to it a little bit more, but that's great. Mm. Yeah. I guess yeah. my question is where's, where's the flood? Where's the rest of them? That followed this 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 great mm-hmm. pioneering movie. Like, I it feels like had this movie been made, and look this now now we're going to go back to first principles. You sure. mentioned marketing earlier, Chris, and how mm-hmm. like we preach that it is so important to market your movie correctly in order to mm-hmm. expect profitability. You mentioned you know five hundred million dollars for some you know Spielberg film. Well, you know. 300 of that would just be to put the actor's face in Times Square. Not, not, not just that, but the whole marketing cost is what drives that budget Mm up. And we talk to independent filmmakers all the time, Chris, about this idea of please have a marketing budget. And then also please Mm -hmm. resist the temptation. And this is a very real and strong temptation. And, and Mm -hmm. so it is not as easy as I'm saying, Please resist the temptation to put your friends and family in your movie. Oh, oh yeah, oh god. And yeah, no. the reason <laughs> the reason it's so hard is because those are the people who have been sharing your dream with you every step of the way and supporting you. And now you're going to turn around and tell your wife, who's been acting her whole life, that she can't be the yeah. lead in this. Yeah, and, and this film was interesting about it when you when you look at it on IMDb, it got a five point three out of ten rating. So oh, wow. it's like, yeah, it's kind of low. And then you got only a thousand reviews of it on IMDb. So mm-hmm. I know Chris is like, you know, where's, where's the money? Like where, but I'm actually more curious. And this is something maybe we can even get in contact with the filmmakers is mm-hmm. outside of the money, because the money is irrespective of the blockchain. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, really yeah, how yeah. good is the movie? How great was the marketing? True. What's the IP behind it? But for me, I'd be really curious, like, did you feel protected from your contracts? Did you feel protected how you distributed? Did you feel like what made oh, this experience point. either better or worse than the traditional method? Cause I did go to theaters, right? And I'm sure yeah. you could probably find this movie on Tubi at this point. So what was better or worse? So from your 
perspective, what would be better? Like, how would distributing on the blockchain be better than other more traditional methods? That is an interesting question, especially when you look at the time period. Hmm. In okay. 2018, nothing. Honestly, I, I bet I would guarantee you that it was about the blockchain gaining notoriety, Bitcoin especially, because mm-hmm. it was on the rise around then. Okay. And they were trying to use, they were trying to catch that wave. And I mean, in some sense, they did. The first film to use blockchain in any form or function within its life cycle is notoriety. It is yeah. notable. They got press about it. It allowed more people to know about the film. It's a and things so, we should know question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I think, I think yeah. it was about marketing more than what the technology itself brought because okay. we were talking about basically you were able to buy tickets with Bitcoin, which is a fairly low bar mm-hmm. for implementation. And Bitcoin is not an application-based crypto. You, it's just a store of value. So you couldn't even really build smart contracts on the Bitcoin Got it. network that would execute and do anything at that time. That is now changing. They're, they're, they're tr- they've seen the writing on the wall, as I've been preaching for the last five years, that the, the technology that will win is the one that is useful, not has the most value. Yeah, and, well, I, I, but I'm curious now. So that was the first film. Have you? Because uh, I'm not in that world, right? So I'm not familiar with it. But are you familiar with any other films that have d- have distributed on the blockchain that have brought right. that interest to the community? Because it's not something we hear about in mm-hmm. the filmmaking community. People say, "Oh yeah, I just watched this movie that I purchased rights to <laughs> see or whatever." Yeah, on the blockchain is that is that a conversation it, people are having right now? They, it's beginning because there are companies that like us that are trying to get into the industry, but we haven't had all of the pieces in place until fairly recently. And then we had the whole crash of value in the crypto sphere, which put a, a, a wet blanket, if you will, on all yep. of that for a long time. Cause there were, there was a company that was in NFTs. So you would get, you would buy an NFT that would allow you to have access to a screening of a film that was gaining momentum when things kind of crashed because that was where things were going. Is there any benefit to, so when I think about something like this, like in order to get that real sea change, and I hate to say it cause we want the community change, right? And that's what we want. We want yes. the ground up kind of change. But what I'm thinking, like, would you see, yeah, would you like to see, <laughs> or do you think we'll ever see a Disney now, making that the means by which they introduce these other ancillary products. Like you just mentioned, like think about this. So uh, you're, you're familiar with Fortnite, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So my son plays Fortnite and I'm like, dude, I'm limiting the amount that you get to spend on Fortnite because you're not buying anything real. It's not real. These are skins that provide no value in the gameplay. Okay. Like I'd be totally, I get it. If you got a new machine gun or a bazooka, that's going to help you win, but these don't help you win. So what's different from that and what they're buying, right? These digital tokens, these digital things versus Disney saying, Hey, if you buy the new Moana digital image by you possessing that you get to now watch the deleted scenes from the new Mm -hmm. Moana movie. 
Is that something that you see them getting into to kind of pull people into that world? Or is that just they're not playing that game? No, I, I think they will. Uh, and what's interesting is that uh, Disney for a long time was developing their own blockchain called Dragon Chain. And they, they were doing tons of work on it. It was a really good project. But they decided to spin it off into its own company because it they, they had a change in leadership in that section of the entertainment technology that they were doing. But they invested heavily in the beginning in it. And I think that they're the kind of company that they don't follow trends, but they jump into places when there has been proven value. And it's funny, the Fortnite thing, um, what I love about this is that if uh, it's Epic, right? Epic does does Fortnite. Yep, Epic I think. Games. Um, yep, yep, yep. If Epic Games decided to make every cosmetic thing in Fortnite and all of the weapons into NFTs, they would be portable to other games, right? Mm. Because yep, any game that understands that technology can be used, and then it helps your issue. This doesn't have any value other than you're expressing yourself when you wear the skin. Exactly. But if you can take that and they make another game that is completely different, you know, maybe it's a, an RPG type game, right? Right. But you yep. can take, you can take your skin in and use the same skin that you did in Fortnite. You just poured it over because the NFT is recognized by both of them. Then it's independent of this one thing. So if Fortnite shuts down, which it will eventually, yep, it all will. games die, <laughs> yep. all games in, <laughs> you know, you could take that stuff into the next Epic game. And that's good for Epic because every time a game dies and all of the stuff you amassed goes with it, it's such a power down. You get so angry. I used to be an avid gamer and it made me so angry. Lego Dimensions, <laughs> dude. <laughs> You know, Lego yeah, dimensions. Exactly. I was like, yeah. no, it just went away. Yeah. <sighs> but if, yeah. if you could take all of the stuff you amassed in that and uh, like Super Mario Brothers, like my, my kid, my youngest loves the Super Mario Lego stuff. We build them together. It's a really cool system with the, the barcodes and they make sounds and stuff. If you could port things from Lego dimensions into that game because they survive independently of the game, then that value continues to go. It can even grow. Because they yep. incentivize you, you get different things. If you they they reward you for being a Lego Dimensions user, you were there, you paid the money, you did the thing, and you pull it into their new thing, and you get three extra skins or whatever. Like they could attach right. value, which makes you more loyal as a customer. You feel like you're cared for. Yeah, and I would love the idea of them being able to thing. sell these things. You know, like yes, let my son exactly. sell these skins to somebody else because he doesn't need it yeah. anymore, but he can't do that. So it has no exactly. value. So yep. yeah, I would love exactly. to 100%. be able to see that. And so because of that, Disney will get into it because what you said is perfect. You could, you could buy uh, a DVD or a Blu-ray of Moana and inside there's a QR code that you scan and you go and it awards you an NFT because it verifies you bought the thing. And then things happen because you have it. It's in your wallet, a Disney provided wallet, which is another another vendor lock in for them. Like there's so many if they just think about the technology in the right way and string them together, it could add value on both sides for the customer as well as the the company. And it's a way to validate the technology and you know, everyone always says, well, you can just do that with a database somewhere and eh, you can. <laughs> I mean, but but it's not the right technology for it because it is proprietary. It's centralized. The only reason this would work is if they put it on Ethereum, 
So it lives on after everything else. Like you can't just shut a server down and you've lost all your data. It's everywhere. Like that, that's immutability. What we talked about, we're using these words. Immutability means if there's a power outage at the data center that Disney uses, my stuff isn't gone. That's right. It's still somewhere. It's immutable. And as long as the world is functioning, it's somewhere I can get to. Perfect. And, And that there's power there. And I think that eventually Hollywood will figure that out, you know, that the, that there's so much more value that they can do and that they don't, they don't have to pay for the systems. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Ethereum is just a thing that's out there. Just use it. It's the highway. You don't pay for anything. There's yep. no bandwidth cost. Nothing. You pay for gas. Disney can pay for gas all day. Yeah. Like it's just not be, be experimental and find ways to add value with technology people are excited about. And and that's what I think is going to happen eventually. Hollywood is a 5 million pound luxury liner and those things take yeah. forever to turn. It just <laughs> yeah. takes forever, but they do. And eventually they will. Great. I just, I'm hoping we do first. That's right. There you go. That's awesome. I just want to get back to this thing before we wrap up, Chris. I don't think we actually answered. I think we got sidetracked by two or three things, then Papa Bear. And, you know, uh, Papa Bear is a worthy distraction. But it, you know, I, agree. We, I don't think we ever sort of cashed the check on how do people like you, people in your industry, people in your field win back the trust of the, of the skeptical public? And do you need them? Great question. Another one. That is just going to be a. Uh, I hate you for asking. It's a pain to add. Uh, anyway, uh, it's, it's a hard one, right? The, so the answer, the, the second part first. I believe we absolutely need them. Okay. We need to prove this technology is here to stay. It adds value to the world, and that the the, the idiocy that happened before was not the reality of who we are as technologists and enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. This next phase of our life is who we are that um, people, people came in and saw a very young community that was rife uh, with money Mm -hmm. and people wanting to shove it places. Right. And they wanted to take advantage of that. The grifters and unethical people uh, are always going to flock to places where there are enthusiastic people with money that are looking for ways to participate. And, and unfortunately that happened and we have taken those bruises and we have come out smarter, wiser, and with re- regulatory stuff is always an oversight is always a dirty word and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the right amount of regulation and oversight is always a good thing. As long as yeah. it encourages the growth of the community as opposed to crushing it and, and discouraging the growth of the community. And I'm hoping for that. In, in this country. And it, it's happening in overseas that they're making common sense regulations so that people aren't taken for everything they have, yeah. but you can extract the value that's in the community still in a way that's ethical and isn't going to hurt anyone. And that's what I hope for here. Uh, so yes, I want to get them back. And the way to do that, it's funny, but it's to really live the ethos of the community mm. to be fair, to be equitable, that, that everything we do has representation. We have to live the things that we say. 
We're transparent, we're immutable, we're fair. Representation is a first-class citizen in this community, not something we bolt on the side to make people feel good. Uh, Mm -hmm. All of those things, it's just doing the work. It's just putting your head down and doing the work and showing people you're serious. That's what we're doing. That's what I try to do every day. I try to be as transparent about everything. I don't know everything. Questions will get asked, and my answer is I don't know, but I will find out. I will do the work to find out and I will tell you because your questions matter and knowing the answer to your question is vitally important because that's the only way we're ever going to get people's trust back is to earn it by proving to them beyond the shadow of a doubt that we are who we say we are and we stand for the things that we say we do. And it's going to be a long process. This is not an overnight thing. Because a lot of trust was broken, a lot of money has been lost, and a lot of value that wasn't really there. Like they, the smoke and mirrors are gone, yep. and people are really seeing with clear eyes what this is, which I think in the long run is fantastic because value will come back yep. because there is a place for value here. There, there are things that have value, and we haven't even – that's what's exciting. It's so young. We haven't seen the real value yet. This has been amazing. So I guess, you know, we'll go ahead and and wrap up here. But one of the things that we always do when we wrap is we want to just make sure that the community out there has a way to get a hold of you, a way to speak to you, you know, and and see what you're up to out there. So what's the best way out there on the interwebs in the world for people to to find you, find what you're working on and, and be a part of this amazing journey that you're taking? I'm pretty much Chris J. Davis everywhere. So on X, you'll find me as Chris J. Davis. Instagram, I'm Chris J. Davis, uh, Chris J. Davis org. Because uh, I had Chris J. Davis and closed my account and had to create a new one. Ooh. So the org was the only yep. one. They won't give you your username back. Nope. <laughs> um, threads, threads, I'm on Chris J. Dave, Chris J. Davis org. Facebook, I'm Chris J. Davis, LinkedIn. And I try to be social and responsive on every platform because I really want to be uh, a voice in the community, hopefully for good. And so I try to, and I love talking to people, especially in those moments, because you can bring other people in and responses come in and you have a little community moment there. So, uh, and always you can get me in those places. And if you go to Unsplash, I'm Chris J. Davis on there. I'm a, oh, nice. used to be a professional photographer. And so I put a ton of stuff up there as well. Uh, just trying to give things out to the community. And if you want to join us on Filmio, uh, we are still taking people for our wait list. And like I said before, uh, the wait list is rolling and we're trying to bring people on as quickly as possible right now. So if you go to film.io, there will be calls there to get you to the sign-up list. And uh, you'll be able to get in. And then very soon, we will be opening to the public. Uh, I can't really say yet <laughs> when that is. Right. Uh, we're arranging a lot of stuff because we want it to be a, a pretty defining moment for our company. And so we're trying to line it up with the right events and all of that stuff but you can go and get on our mailing list things like that and you'll you'll know when we do uh there and if you do get in to the platform i'm also a creator on there uh, i have four or five projects that i really care about and i put time and energy into from a reality show where i drink beer and uh, yell at my friend and he drinks beer and yells at me um to like it. to like um sci-fi movie things like that so you can find my projects there i'm chris j davis there as well uh and but if you go look at other people's stuff there are real creators who have passion and have worked very hard on the things that they're doing and they are putting the time and effort into 
making something of themselves on the platform. And I would rather you go see them. Perfect. But if you want to see what I'm doing, you can find me there. It's there. <laughs> Perfect. Sweet. And look, Chris, Nick, I think you both will agree. We got to do this one more time sometime in the future, because we just honestly just scratched the surface of this. <laughs> yeah. Like it goes deep. The rabbit hole goes deep. We'd love this audience to follow us down that rabbit hole one more time. So Chris, if you'll have us, we'd love to do this one time again, maybe chapter two, round two in the, in the future. Yeah. I'm at your disposal. You let me know when you want to do that. I was going to suggest that because this has been, and like I said before, what the, the best experience I've had so far, I have really enjoyed talking to both of you and would at the moment's notice, do it again. Please have me back when you think it's right. Uh, and we'll talk about anything. We'll talk about Marvel movies. We'll teach him why <laughs> we'll talk about Lego. the flash was terrible. Oh dude. Um, yep. Let's just we'll, keep we'll that. Have, yeah. 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 We'll, Next we'll, we'll take care of it. We're yep. good. <laughs> it goes beyond Ezra Miller. Yeah. Uh, For those who want to keep up with us, you can find us at the make it podcast.com. You can also find us on social at underscore the make it podcast or actually on Instagram, it's underscore make it podcast uh, on, on Instagram and X uh, on YouTube. You can just search for make it podcast and mm-hmm. we'll come right up or the make it podcast. Either one right. will work. We have a great channel there. If you want to dig into all the other things we do in the world of film and independent filmmaking and creation, you can go to bonsai.film. That's our website. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go to bonsai.film and look in the top right corner, you'll see a little word there. It says newsletter. You can go there and subscribe to our newsletter. It's a biweekly newsletter. Uh, we have fun doing this. It's a passion project. We find the esoteric and the weird uh, mm-hmm. and, and the hard to find in film and put it all in one newsletter for you every two weeks. We don't spam you. We don't do anything with your information. We just want to bring you this goodness every two weeks. Uh, and you can find out a lot more about what we're doing uh, for independent filmmakers on the site as well, including promotions and things like that. So with that, oh, you know what I forgot, Nick? Yeah. I forgot to say where to, where to get you. Where to, where to, and where to get you, you know? So yeah. 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 yeah so uh, before I forget, Nick, if you want to reach out to him, that's uh, easy. It's Nick at bonsai.film. That's an email address. You can email him and ask him, what those numbers on his t-shirt mean. What is the translation? <laughs> Independent since what? And, uh, you can, and you can reach out to me on X at flame in your heart, or uh, by the way, you're spelled you are. And uh, if you don't want to do that, because it's all a mouthful, you can just search for Chris Barkley. And at this point I will come right up. Okay. Now you can actually <laughs> do the thing. Nick, yeah, I'll, I'll do the thing. Please leave us with the credo. Of course. And before I do that, I also want to introduce folks to the fact that I'm on Reddit now, you know, mm-hmm. definitely trying to do that thing. Mm-hmm. And that's easy to find me at Nicholas Bugs. Trying to keep it simple. Nicholas Bugs, use my real name uh, because, you know, I'm a real person. And, you know, you refer to me as Nick on the podcast as well. So I want people to know, you know, make the connection between this guy and that guy. So anyway, you can find me on Reddit, Nicholas Bugs. Uh, but with that said, to all our filmmaking friends, family, fans out there, be better, be creative, be engaged. And thank you for listening. Nick, Chris, talk to you both soon. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Take it easy. Peace, guys. Peace. <laughs>